0: Section eighty two of Greece and Rome This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World's Story Volume Four Greece and Rome, edited by Eva March Tappan, section eighty two The Winning of the First Messeus about three ninety one a d by georg ebers the chariot race which is here described is supposed to take place in alexandria at the end of the fourth century at this time the conflict between the christians many of whom were rich and powerful and the worshippers of the old gods was at its height bloody riots were the order of the day just before the race the serapium the magnificent temple of the god serapis had been destroyed by order of the christian bishop theophilus the editor the spacious hippodrome was filled with some thousands of spectators at first many rows of seats had been left vacant though usually on the eve of the great races the people would set out soon after midnight and every place would be filled long before the games began indeed the upper tiers of the tribune which were built of wood and were free to all comers with standing room behind were commonly so crowded early in the morning that the crush ended in a free fight on this occasion the storm of the previous night the anxiety caused by the conflict round the serapium and the prevalent panic as to the approaching end of the world kept great numbers away from their favorite diversion but when the sky recovered its radiant blue and when it became known that the statue of serapis had escaped uninjured in the siege of his sanctuary when cenegeus the imperial legate and evagrius the city prefect had entered the theatre with much pomp followed by several senators and ladies and gentlemen of rank christians heathen and jews the most timid took courage the games had been postponed for an hour and before the first team was led into the arched shed whence the chariot started the seats though less densely packed than usual were amply filled the number of chariots entered for competition was by no means smaller than on former occasions for the heathen had strained every nerve to shore their fellow-citizens of different creeds and especially caesar's representative that in spite of persecution and in defiance of imperial edicts they were still a power worthy of consideration the christians on their part did their utmost to outdo the idolaters on the same ground where not long since they had held quite the second place the bishop's epigram that christianity had ceased to be the religion of the poor was amply confirmed the greater proportion of the places for senators officials and rich citizens was occupied by its adherents and the men and women who professed the faith were by no means behind their heathen peers in magnificence of dress and jewels the horses too entered by the christians could not fail to please the connoisseur as they punctually made their appearance behind the starting-place though he might have felt more confidence and not without reason in the heathen steeds and more particularly in their drivers each of whom had won on an average nine races out of ten the horses in the quadriga with which marcus the son of mary made his appearance in the arena had never before been driven in the hippodrome demetrius the owner's brother had bred and trained them four magnificent black arabs and they excited much interest in the knowing judges who were wont to collect and lounge about the apedum as it was called behind the carcaris footnote covered sheds wherein the horses waited for the start end of footnote to inspect the racers predict the winner offer counsel to the drivers and make bets these perfect creatures were perhaps as fine as the famous team of golden bays belonging to iphicrates which so often had proved victorious but the agitators or drivers attracted even more interest than the horses marcus though he knew how to handle the reins he had already been seen in experimental races could hardly hold his own against hippias the handsome young heathen who like most of the drivers in the arena was an agitator by profession a story was told of his having driven over a bridge which was not quite as white as the outside edges of his chariot wheels and there were many witnesses to the feat he had performed of writing his mistress's name with his chariot tracks in the sand of the hippodrome the betting was freest and the wagers highest on hippias and the team belonging to iphicrates some few backed marcus and his arabs but for smaller sums and when they compared the tall but narrow-shouldered figure of the young christian with the heroic breadth of hippias's frame and his delicate features dreamy blue eyes and downy black moustache with the powerful hermes head of his rival they were anxious about their money if his brother now the farmer demetrius who was standing by the horses heads or some well-known agitator had held the reins it would have been a pleasure and a profit to back such horses marcus had been abroad too and men shrugged their shoulders over that for it was not till the last few days that he had been seen exercising his horses in the hippodrome time was going on and the imperial envoy who had been elected to preside as judge at length took his place demetrius whispered a few last words of advice to his brother and went back into the arena his stepmother was sitting on the stuffed bench covered with lion skins which was reserved for the family her tunic and skirt displayed the color blue of the christian charioteer being made of bright blue and silver brocade of a beautiful pattern in which the cross the fish and the olive branch were elegantly combined her black hair was closely and simply smoothed over her temples and she wore no garland but a string of large grey pearls from which hung a chaplet of sapphires and opals lying on her forehead a veil fell over the back of her head and she sat gazing into her lap as if she were absorbed in prayer her hands were folded and held across this placid and demure attitude she deemed becoming to a christian matron and widow every one might see that she had not come for worldly pleasure but merely to be present at a triumph of her fellow christians and especially her son over the idolaters everything about her bore witness to the faith even the pattern on her dress and the shape of her ornaments down to the embroidery on her silk gloves in which a cross and an anchor were so designed as to form a greek the initial letter of the name of christ her ambition was to appear simple and superior to all worldly vanities still all she wore must be rich and costly for she was here to do honour to her creed. she would have regarded it as a heathen abomination to wear wreaths of fresh and fragrant flowers though for the money which that string of pearls had cost she might have decked the circus with garlands from end to end or have fed a hundred poor for a twelvemonth it seems so much easier to cheat the omniscient creator of the universe than our fellow-fools there was music as usual in the towers at either end of the row of car but it was less stirring and cheerful than of yore for flutes and several of the heathen airs had been prohibited formerly too the hippodrome had been a place where lovers could meet and where many a love affair had been brought to a happy climax but to-day none of the daughters of the more respectable families were allowed to quit the woman's apartments in their own homes for danger was in the air the course of events in the serapium had kept many of the younger men from witnessing the races and some mysterious influence seemed to weigh upon the gaiety and mirth of which the hippodrome on a gallant day was usually the headquarters wild excitement expectation strung to the highest pitch and party feeling both for and against had always of course been rife here but to-day they were manifest in an acuter form hatred had added its taint and lent virulence to every emotion the heathen were oppressed and angered their rights abridged and defied they saw the christians triumphant at every point and hatred is a protean monster which rages most fiercely and most venomously when it has lurked in the foul career of envy the christians could hate too and they hated the idolaters who gloried with haughty self-sufficiency in their intellectual inheritance the traditions of a brilliant past they who had been persecuted and contemned now had the upper hand they were in power and the more insolently they treated their oppressors the more injustice they did them and the less the victimized heathen were able to avenge themselves the more bitterly did the christians detest the party they contemned as superstitious idolaters in their care for the soul the spiritual and divine part the christians had hitherto neglected graces of the body thus the heathen had remained undisputed masters of the palistra and the hippodrome in the gymnasium the christian refused even to compete for the exhibition of his naked body he regarded as an abomination but on the race-course he had lately been willing to display his horses and many times had disputed the crown with the hereditary victors so that even here the heathen felt his time-honored and undisputed supremacy endangered this was intolerable this must be averted the mere thought of being beaten on this ground roused the idolaters to wrath and malice they displayed their color in wreaths of scarlet poppies pomegranate flowers and red roses with crimson ribbons and dresses white and green the colors formerly adopted by the competitors were abandoned for all the heathen were unanimous in combining their forces against the common foe the ladies used red sunshades and the very baskets in which the refreshments were brought for the day were painted red the widow mary on the other hand and all the christians were robed in blue from head to foot their sandals being tied with blue ribbons and dada's blue shoulder-knot was in conspicuous contrast to her bright rose-coloured dress the vendors of food who wandered round the circus had eggs dyed blue and red cakes with sugared icing and refreshing drinks in jars of both colors when a christian and a heathen found themselves seated side by side each turned a shoulder to the other or if they were forced to sit face to face eyed each other with a scowl senegius did all he could to postpone the races as long as possible he was anxious to wait till the comies had finished his task in the serapium so that the troops might be free to act in any emergency that might arise before the contests in the hippodrome were fairly ended time did not hang heavy on his hands for the vast multitude here assembled interested him greatly though he had frequently been a spectator of similar festivities in rome and constantinople but this crowd differed in many particulars from the populace of those cities in the topmost tiers of free seats black and brown faces predominated greatly over white ones in the cushioned and carpeted ranks of the stone podium the lower portion of the amphitheatre mingled with greeks and egyptians sat thousands of splendidly dressed men and women with strongly marked semitic features members of the wealthy jewish community whose venerable head the alabarch a dignified patriarch in greek dress sat with the chief members of the senate near the envoys tribune the alexandrians were not a patient race and they were beginning to rebel against the delay making no small noise and disturbance when senegius rose and with his white handkerchief waved the signal for the races to begin the number of spectators had gradually swelled from fifty to sixty and to eighty thousand and no less than thirty-six chariots were waiting behind the carcaris ready to start four missus or races were to be run in each of the three first twelve chariots were to start and in the fourth only the leaders in the three former ones were to compete the winner of the olive wreath and palm branch in this final heat would bear the honors of the day his party would be victorious and he would quit the hippodrome in triumph lots were now drawn in the apidum to decide which shed each chariot was to start from and in which missus each was to run it was marcus's fate to start among the first lot and to the horror of those who had backed his chances hippias the hero of the hippodrome was his rival with the four famous bays heathen priests poured libations to poseidon and phoebus apollo the patron divinities of horses and of the hippodrome for sacrifices of blood were prohibited while christian presbyters and exorcists blessed the rival steeds in the name of the bishop a few monks had crept in but they were turned out by the heathen with bitter jests as unbidden intruders synegeus repeated his signal the sound of the tuba rang through the air and the first twelve chariots were led into the starting sheds a few minutes later a machine was set in motion by which a bronze eagle was made to rise with outspread wings high into the air from an altar in front of the carcaris this was the signal for the chariots to come forth from their boxes they took up their positions close behind a broad chalk line traced on the ground with diagonal slope so as to reduce the disadvantage of standing outermost and having a larger curve to cover until this moment only the privileged possessors of the seats over the carcaris had been able by craning backwards to see the horses and drivers now the competitors were visible to the multitude which at their first appearance broke out into vociferous applause the agitators had to exert all their strength to hold in the startled and eager teams and make them stand even for a few short minutes then signaled for the third time a golden dolphin which had been suspended from a beam and on which the eye of every charioteer was fixed dropped to the ground a blast on the salpinks, or war-trumpet was sounded and forty-eight horses flew forth as though thrown forward by one impulsion the strength of four fine horses whirled each light two-wheeled chariot over the hard causeway as though it were a toy the downpour of the previous night had laid the dust the bright sunshine sparkled and danced in rapidly changing flashes mirrored in the polished gilding of the bronze or the silver fittings of the elegantly decorated semicircular cars in which the drivers stood five blue and seven red competitors had drawn the first lot the eye rested with pleasure on the sinewy figures whose bare feet seemed rooted to the boards they stood in while their eyes were riveted on the goal they were striving to reach though as the eye of the archer sees arrow bow and mark all at once they never lost sight of the horses they were guiding a close cap with floating ribbons confined their hair and they wore a short sleeveless tunic swathed round the body with wide bands as if to brace their muscles and add to their strength the reins were fastened around their hips so as to leave the hands free not only to hold them but also to ply the whip and use the goad each charioteer had a knife in his girdle to enable him to release himself in case of accident from a bond that might prove fatal before long the bay team was leading alone behind were two christian drivers followed by three red chariots marcus was last of all but it was easy to see that it was by choice and not by necessity that he was hanging back he was holding in his fiery team with all his strength and weight his body thrown back his feet firmly set with his knees against the silver bar of the chariot and his hands gripping the reins in a few minutes he came flying past dada and his brother but he did not see them he had not even caught sight of his own mother while the professional charioteers had not failed to bow to and nod to their friends he could only keep his eyes and mind fixed on his horses and on the goal the multitude clapped roared shouted encouragement to their party hissed and whistled when they were disappointed venting their utmost indignation on marcus as he came past behind the others but he either heard them not or would not hear dada's heart beat so wildly that she thought it would burst she could not sit still she started to her feet and then flung herself back on her cushions shouting some spurring words to marcus in the flash of time when he might perhaps hear them when he had passed her head fell and she said sadly enough poor fellow we have brought our wreaths for nothing after all demetrius but demetrius shook his head and smiled nay he said the boy has iron sinews in that slight body look how he holds the horses in he is saving their strength till they need it seven times child seven times he has to go round this great circus and pious the Nyssa. footnote the turning post or goal End of footnote you will see he will catch up what he has lost yet hippias you see is holding in his horses too it is his way of giving himself airs at the starting now he is close to the the meta they call it at rome the smaller the bend he can make round it the better for him but it is risky work there you see they drive round from right to left and that throws most of the work on the left-hand beast it has to turn almost in its own length our, our first horse is as supple as a panther and i trained her to do it myself now look out there that bronze figure of a rearing horse the teraxa post, they call it is put there to frighten the horses and megira our third horse is like a mad thing sometimes though she can go like a stag every time marcus gets her quietly past the teraxa post, we are nearer to success look look the first chariot has got round the nissa it is hippias yes by zeus he has done it he is a detestable braggart but he knows his business this was one of the decisive moments of the race the crowd was silent expectation was at the utmost pitch of tension and dada's eyes were fixed spellbound on the obelisk and on the quadriga that whirled round the bourne next to hippias came a blue team and close behind him were three red ones the christian who had succeeded in reaching the nissa second boldly took his horses close round the obelisk hoping to gain space and get past Hippias. but the left wheel of his chariot grazed the granite plinth the light car was overset and the horses of the red chariot whose noses were almost on his shoulder could not be pulled up short in time they fell over the christian's team which rolled on the ground the red chariot too turned over and eight snorting beasts lay struggling in the sand the horses in the next chariot bolted as they were being driven past this mass of plunging and neighing confusion they defied their driver's impotent efforts and galloped across the course back into the carkers the rest had time and space enough to beware of the wreck and to give it a wide berth among them marcus the melee at the meta had excited his steeds almost beyond control and as they tore past the Taraxippos, the third horse Megira, shied violently as demetrius had predicted she flung herself on one side thrust her hindquarters under the pole and kicked desperately lifting the chariot quite off the ground the young charioteer lost his footing and slipped dada covered her face with her hands and his mother turned pale and knit her brows with apprehension the youth was still standing his feet were on the sand of the arena but he had a firm grip on the right-hand spiral ornament that terminated the bar round the chariot many a heart stood still with anxiety and shouts of triumph and mockery broke from the red party but in less than half a minute by an effort of strength and agility he had his knees on the footboard and then in the winking of an eye he was on his feet in the chariot had gathered up the reins and was rushing onward meanwhile however hippias had far outstripped all the rest and as he flew past the carkers he checked his pace snatched a cup from a lemonade cellar tossed the contents down his throat with haughty audacity amid the plaudits of the crowd and then dashed on again a wide gap indeed still lay between him and marcus by the time the competitors again came round to the nyssa the slaves in attendance had cleared away the broken chariots and led off the horses a christian still came next to hippias followed by a red agitator marcus had gained on the others and was now fourth in the third round the chariot of the red driver in front of marcus made too sharp a turn and ran up against the granite the broken car was dragged on by the terrified beasts and the charioteer with it till by the time they were stopped he was a corpse in the fifth circuit the christian who till now had been second to hippias shared the same fate though he escaped with his life and then marcus drove past the starting sheds next to hippias hippias had ceased to flout and dally in spite of the delay that marcus had experienced from the taraxippos the space that parted his base from the black arabs had sensibly diminished round after round and the interest of the race now centred entirely in him and the young christian never before had so passionate and reckless a contest been fought out on this venerable race-course and the throng of spectators were carried away by the almost frenzied rivalry of the two drivers not a creature in the upper tiers had been able to keep his seat men and women alike had risen to their feet and were shouting and roaring to the competitors the music in the towers might have ceased so completely was it drowned by the tumult in the amphitheatre only the ladies in the best places above the starting sheds preserved their aristocratic calm still when the seventh and decisive round was begun even the widow mary leaned forward a little and clasped her hands more tightly over the cross in her lap each time that marcus had driven round the obelisk or past the Taraxipos, dada had clutched her head with her hands and set her teeth in her lip each time as he happily steered clear of the fatal stone and whirled past the dreadful bronze statue she had relaxed her grip and leaned back in her seat with a sigh of relief her sympathy made her one with marcus she felt as if his loss must be her death and his victory her personal triumph during the sixth circuit hippias was still a long way ahead of the young christian the distance which lay between marcus and the team of bays seemed to have become a fixed quantity for do what he could he could not diminish it by a hand-breadth the two agitators had now completely altered their tactics instead of holding their horses in they urged them onward leaning over the front of their chariot speaking to the horses shouting at them with hoarse breathless cries and flogging them unsparingly steamy sweat and lathering foam streaked the flanks of the desperate laboring brutes while clouds of dust were flung out from the dry furrowed and trampled soil the other chariots were left farther and farther behind those of hippias and marcus and when for the seventh and last time these two were nearing the nyssa the crowd for a moment held its breath only to break out into louder and wilder cries and then again to be hushed it seemed as though their exhausted lungs found renewed strength to shout with double energy when their excitement had kept them silent for a while dada spoke no more pale and gasping she sat with her eyes fixed on the tall obelisk and on the cloud of dust which as the chariots neared the nissa seemed to grow denser at about a hundred paces from the nissa she saw above the sandy curtain the red cap of hippias flash past and then close behind it the blue cap worn by marcus then a deafening thundering roar from thousands of throats went up to heaven while round the obelisk so close to it that not a horse not a wheel could have found room between the plinth and the driver the blue cap came forward out of the cloud and behind it now no longer in front though not more than a length behind came the red cap of hippias when within a few feet of the nissa marcus had overtaken his antagonist had passed the point with a bold and perilously close turn and had left the bays behind him demetrius saw it all as though his eyes had power to pierce the dust cloud and now he too lost his phlegmatic calm he threw up his arms as if in prayer and shouted as though his brother could hear him well done splendid boy now for the Kentron, the goad drive it in send it home if they die for it give it them well dada who could only guess what was happening looked round at him asking in tremulous tones has he passed him is he gaining on him will he win but demetrius did not answer he only pointed to the foremost of the flying clouds on which the second was fast advancing and cried in a frenzy of excitement death and hades the others catching him up the dog the sneak if only the boy would use his goad give it them marcus give it them lad never give in now great father presiding there there no i can hardly stand yes he is still in front and now now this must settle it thunder and lightning they are close together again may the dust choke him no it is all right my arabs are in front all is well keep it up lad well done we have won the horses were pulled up the dust settled marcus the christian had won the first masseuse senegius held out the crown to the victor who bowed to receive it then he waved his hand to his mother who graciously waved hers in return and he drove into the opedum and was lost to sight hippias flung down his whip in a rage but the triumphant shouts of the christians drowned the music the trumpet blasts and the angry murmurs of the defeated heathen threatening fists were shaken in the air while behind the carcarous the drivers and owners of the red party scolded squabbled and stormed and hippias who by his audacious swagger had given away the race to their hated foe to the blues the christians nearly escaped being torn in pieces the second and third masseuse like the first were marked by serious accidents both however were won for the red party in the fourth the decisive race there were but three competitors marcus and the two heathen winners Demetrius watched it with less anxiety he knew that his arabs were far superior to the egyptian breed in staying power and they also had the advantage of having had a longer rest in fact the final victory was adjudged to the young christian end of section eighty two this recording is in the public domain